Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am here with my co-host and co-founder, Wilkie V. Law III. We want to thank you for taking time to listen and share your stories with us. We appreciate you, whether you're listening on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on iHeartRadio, or on iTunes. We are a podcast for educators created from a six-year conversation between us, two educators from different backgrounds and journeys that discovered that the true value in education is in the connections that teachers make with their students and the relationships that develop from that connection. The purpose of our podcast is to provide educators a platform to share their voices with others, make those connections, and to return value to the classroom experience and the teaching craft. Above all, we believe that when you add value to yourself, you add value to others. So welcome to Value Adds Value. That's awesome. I love that. And that was, you said, eighth grade social studies? Yeah, eighth grade social studies. And in, in, in Texas, eighth grade social studies is tested. Mm-hmm. Um, so students won't take, and just for, for your audience who are not familiar with this uh, particular um, uh, accountability system, students do not take anything in form of social studies state assessment until eighth grade. So we're combining tons of very dense and heavy vocabulary along with reading comprehension, uh, along with with, um, uh, certainly um, just kind of a a base level knowledge of certain historical facts and meanings of words and and phrases, so on and so forth, and multiple meaning words and phrases. So it's a pretty pretty dense exam. And um, we, we certainly suffered with it at the beginning as far as the numbers that we saw. But for me, I wasn't gonna just give up and say, hey, well, you know, it's just a hard test. And uh, these these kids, some days they just don't wanna learn. No, these students are coming to my classroom to learn. And I, it is incumbent upon me to be at my very best so that they can have the best opportunity to succeed. And and I, I personally feel you right there because when I, when I moved to Houston from Wisconsin, I taught two years of seventh grade Texas history before mm-hmm. I taught then two years of the eighth grade. And it was right, I think, around that exact same time you're talking about it to where you go to you go from, you know, from seventh grade to eighth grade. And all of a sudden there's all these different pressures on you that that were never on you prior to teaching that particular curriculum. And. Um, you know, for me, it, it kind of precipitated the the move because I went from seventh grade to eighth, and then mm-hmm. I went back down to six where I taught with Wilkie because it was a non-tested grade, and I was just like, I didn't. And and there are parts of me that regret that I didn't stay, and you know, like you said, stick it out. But um, it was crazy to me, you know, looking at those tests. Those tests that you're talking about were written mm-hmm. at the same level that like my college tests were written at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely. it was, it was a lot to, it was a lot to take in for the kids, for sure. Absolutely. And especially for me, uh, coming from, I taught eighth grade social studies during one accountability system that was very much the facts, like what purchased double the size of the United States? Oh, Louisiana purchased. And that right. test would literally give the answer just a few questions before to a starkly different um, assessment center, uh, assessment, um, uh, assessment called the star that was was had multiple layers of thinking not just your base fact knowledge but then also combining it with your reading comprehension then also synthesizing it with um comparing 
Lincoln's first and second inaugural address and students having to try to come up with, with some, some type of answer from that. So it was, it was a sharp shift in the way my students were tested, which put me in a precarious position, but a position that I, that I had to, to, to reflect on my work. I couldn't, I couldn't wait for somebody to give me data. I couldn't wait for somebody to, to give me a, a magic way of doing things. Like people came in and, and in the district and they gave different ideas. I'd have to tell them, okay, yeah, that's good. I appreciate it. And sometimes I used it and sometimes I didn't um, because it wasn't what was, was going to be most effective for our students. And, and how did I know that? Through that process of self-reflection. And me and my teammate, we talk about it to this day. She's at a different district now, uh, still teaching history and debate. We talk about it now. Man, if we would have had one more year. <laughs> it, it would have been on. It would have been on. Oh, God, I'm telling you, one more year. Look, look. Look, look, we would have wrecked the city. We would have wrecked the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and it's funny because you kind of summed up both of our questions in that one, because um, the next one was talking about a time that you've missed one, uh, a missed opportunity. But we all know hindsight is twenty twenty, and I think that's the power of reflection also, yeah. is that you get to, I, I, you know, I was sharing with Kyle that last year, being my, yes, last year was my first year back in the classroom. I left mm -hmm. the classroom as an instructional coach for three years and I had an opportunity to go back to at sixth grade, which I just love. And so I went back in and it took me a while to get to the point to where even as I was teaching, I found myself immediately when I did something, reflecting on what just happened, like being mm -hmm. present and, and, and omnipresent at the same time, I guess, so to speak, yeah. um, with my practice because I noticed that these kids are different than what I've ever taught. Mm -hmm. I never worked with a, a large uh, African-American population. I never mm -hmm. worked with, you know, my, 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 my experience for my first 12 years was all um, pre predominantly uh, Latina, Latinos. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had the huge Hispanics. Um, I think most, most of my time, we were at less than 10% African-American students in my school. Mm -hmm. uh, make up making up less than 10 percent so i go to a school now where we're about 48 48 oh, wow. and that's a totally different um yeah, yeah you know, that's big time yeah you know you can say all day long oh they look like me i can teach them and i said no that was a wake-up call for me mm -hmm. that it, it didn't work that way it didn't yeah. that wasn't they didn't see it that way so it forced me to kind of in the moment all the time be looking at what am i doing how are they mm -hmm. responding what can I do better? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think about what you're saying, Will, and what you're saying, Kyle, is that that um, that self-reflection, uh, reading my audience, and and putting myself in a position where where I, I can um, read my audience. And how do I do that? I have to look at them, right? Um, I can't just teach from this PowerPoint right here. Or just turn to this particular page right there. I've got to look at them and and look at look at their faces and. Um, I like one line I used to hear somebody say, I'm looking for confusion on faces. So I'm trying to read my audience as best I can. So granted, um, you know, certainly I can use, give me a fist to five on how much you're understanding or whatever. And that's an absolute great assessment tool and assessment strategy. Um, but then also that personal touch of, let me just look at how my audience is, is receiving this right now. And from there, make adjustments. We oftentimes as administrators talk about just-in-time coaching. I can do that for myself as an educator in a classroom of 30 or in a classroom of 300. Um, 
where, or in a classroom of 50, like we were the, the other week in AIE, to where I'm giving myself the opportunity to look at how folks are responding. That's why I appreciated y'all, because y'all were like, mm, amen, and y'all had like the whole, like, I appreciate the feedback. Thank you. We're, I mean, that's, that's how we are, though. <laughs> and so that, that gave me a sense of where exactly am I, and where do I need to go? What do I need to go back and talk about? I can do that just in time coaching for me and self-reflecting. I love how you said, well, in the moment of, of how are folks understanding or responding to what I'm using? Should I bring in a story right here? Should I bring in an example right here? Should I bring in some data and some hard facts right here to help solidify and crystallize the point that I'm trying to make? And so um, absolutely being in tune and watching the people that I'm working with, um, that's something that no computer, no um, computer program, no K12.com, no no offense to them or Can Academy or whatever, all those platforms, they're helpful, but that's a way in which they will never be able to replace that 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 person and that, that teacher in that space to take a look at those students and to see where exactly am I, where exactly is my audience receiving and where do I need to go? You talk about just-in-time coaching, that can happen via self-reflection. <laughs> And I and I wanted to come back too to the point you said that you had the the one teaching teammate who really kind of helped you in reflection practice. And the point that I wanted to make too is that my the first four years of my my teaching before I started teaching with Wilkie, I was reflective, but I don't think I was asking myself the right questions until I had that that partner in Wilkie who, you know, you were talking about reading the room. He read he was the first person that read me correctly. Yeah, and he he really started to see that my personal life was as much the problem as my teaching was. Mm-hmm. That I was not. I was at a point where you know, and we talked about the eighth grade star. Like the two years I taught eighth grade, I just went through the meat grinder, and I was just so down on myself. And mm-hmm. and and he worked with me, and he started just helping me ask, you know, the right questions when reflecting and I and I notice that now even too we've been working together six years and there are still times where I'm where I think I'm reflecting on the right thing and it also with you know the example with kids if you're not doing that just in time you're you're not reading the room Mm -hmm. you could be reflecting on your kids a different way yeah but you there are things that you might miss and in terms of my reflection like it really changed once I got with Wilkie because he started helping me point in the right direction with where my reflection was going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's really significant about asking the right questions. Um, I didn't think about it that way. Uh, so you bring up a really important point, Kyle, that I'm like, hmm, okay. Uh, right now I'm in the midst of uh, one of my goals is to work on how we do interventions at school, academic instructional interventions. And so we know where our students' data is or was with our state assessment as of last year and with some of the common assessments that have happened. But I'm wanting to co-create and in this collaborative space um, a system for how we take a look at our students' data in order to make sure that we're doing the right things to push them up. And so now that's making me think about, okay, so what are the right questions that we're going to want to be on that document, whether it's a Google Doc, whether it's... Um, a chart and we and we share it whatever what how do we make sure that we're asking the right questions that get us to to the meat of the matter of what we want so thank you for helping me with that because i'm writing that goal right now you're, <laughs> and wa- I gotta you're welcome 
You're welcome. We, we oh. try to do what we can. So, yeah. I want to, uh, I just have one more question because this is something that I struggle with because I've always said I never wanted to be an educational leader. I never wanted to be an administrator. I could never see it because I thought it took me away from the classroom and what I really love to do. So how do you feel like reflection has shifted and changed since your role has shifted from being in the classroom to being an educational leader? Do you see it as, is it different or is it pretty much the same thing? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And uh, I thought about that because there was a, a man who taught in our district and he asked me this question. He said, so I think people want to become administrators because they're running away from the classroom because they want to get out of the classroom. They become administrators because they've just had too much and it's time to do something different. Um, and I looked at him and I thought about it and I said, I didn't become an administrator to run away from the classroom. I said, because I wanted everybody to be my student. Like I would look at kids and I was like, why aren't you in my class? Like I want you to be my me. I want you. And regardless if they were different grade level, it didn't matter. I wanted as many times as possible to to infect the thinking of as many students as possible. And so now even though yes, I'm an administrator, I very much still have a classroom. I've taught a leadership class um, at our school. I've worked with our house leaders um, who were not always like the students that are always on a honor roll the students that are always not hitting discipline referrals so it's definitely a mix of students and certainly my heart are the students that are oftentimes the hardest to reach or they're classified as that so i spend most of my minutes and most of my reps with students um that regarded not always in my office most times in the classroom uh, sometimes when they have having a tough time moving things around the school because i find it that young men have an easier time to talk when when things are going on, not just sitting down in a, in a chair or a desk, but when they're, you know, moving furniture with me or moving textbooks from here to here, uh, that movement helps um, instigate that conversation for a better conversation. So um, a little bit as far as why I became an administrator, but as far as my reflection um, and how that impacts how I reflect as, a, as an administrator, I truly think that my reflection goes back to my last year playing collegiate basketball. The time that I got a chance to take those notes after every single practice, again, not after a game. And this is something we talked about in AIE. Um, sometimes we wait too late to celebrate. Sometimes we wait until we get a certain number or we hit a certain uh, benchmark. Um, and that's when we're ready to celebrate. We got to glorify the grind. We have to praise the process. Um, and that's for us as people. That's for us certainly as educators as well. And that's certainly true for our students. Um, let's praise the process because sometimes uh, getting the 95%, look, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta celebrate getting that two extra points. I gotta celebrate the fact that you've been to school for four days in a row and haven't missed any. Let's celebrate. Let's find reasons to celebrate. And so, um, for me as, a, again, as a, as a administrator, some of those same questions, um, uh, I still use today and I still take, take notes on. I took notes of the teacher, especially like at that scenario I mentioned about when we were just in a tough spot as a school. Why are my students getting the scores that they're getting? What is going on with my tier one instruction? Uh, why, you know, uh, what's going on with my planning? I ask the same things. Shoot, when I take kids on a field trip and something happens, like last year we went on a field trip and we got the cops called on us and we were in a, a more affluent part of Austin. And of course, those things came to bear for sure. But 
after that field trip, not after it was over, when I was in the car and we were driving back to school, I'm thinking, okay, next year when we do this again, how do we make sure that I, this and this, this happens? How do I make sure that I mobilize my staff to make sure the cops don't get caught on this? A kid had thrown a rock at a fence and somebody thought that the kid was trying to throw the rocks at the window, so he called the police. Um, but that's, that's, you know, I think for me, a pretty sig significant example of even as an administrator, when I'm having teachers and students move um, in particular ways, I'm asking my question, okay, what went right? What didn't go right? What do I need to do to make sure that it goes right the next time? And making those bullet pointed notes. Um, I can tell you that already uh, this week, some of the bullets, sorry, last week, some of the bullet pointed notes that I made, whether it's on paper or in my mind, um, I've got a couple of students that, man, they're transferred in from, a, from another district and, and they're struggling right now. And so I've had to modify the way in which I behavior coach them. Because uh, usually I'm like, look, I don't ask twice. Like, that's usually like my, my knee jerk, you know, because I've, I've been there long enough. I put in enough reps with you. This is what I need. And so I've had to, um, in thinking about how those particular students adjust to things, um, I've, I'm having to pull back from something that is so um, muscle memory for me to do as far as how I respond to these students' misbehaviors. And so I'm asking my, myself the question, was that effective? With, with these particular students obviously it wasn't so what am I going to have to do better next time to pull them in and not to push them out or not to make them feel like they're being pushed out and so when we get back to school on Tuesday um, those are some of the first students and I'm going to go make sure that, that I that I hit up some of the first students I'm going to make sure that I meet why as a result of, of the reflection that I had this past week um, on some things that that you know didn't quite go the way that I wanted them to go and then when things do go the way that I wanted to wanted to go my question to myself is always, how do I take it to the next level? Mm -hmm. I want to stay humble and I want to stay hungry. So I'm, if I'm taking those notes, what do I need to do to, to, um, to be more effective in the work, to, um, to better influence the, the campus culture and the campus climate to such a degree that students and teachers are at their best as many times a day as possible. And that's, that, that falls in my court. That's on me as an administrator. That's on me as a, as a leader. Um, I can do that. That's within my my sphere of, of influence and my circle of control. So, um, yeah, not too much has changed as far as the way in which those questions are asked um, from being 22 years old on a basketball court to now being 35 um, in my fifth year of being an administrator and perhaps one day a principal, um, if, if that, that is indeed for me in the right place at the right time. Um, I, don't, I don't see those questions changing too much anytime soon. And quite frankly, I have to ask the same questions in my own personal relationships too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I, I work with my community as well um, and being a part of um, part of that too. I apologize that we have to take this short break from this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast, but we have news that's so important we just couldn't wait to tell you. Because we believe in it and because they believe in us, we were able to partner with Nearpod to provide you a free opportunity and discounts on your chance to use the Nearpod platform. Now, what is Nearpod? Glad you asked. Nearpod is an online teaching platform that we can house our lessons, we can create presentations, and they have the most incredible bank of pre-created lessons and curriculum that is there for you to sample depending upon what level you choose. So if you go to the link that's in our show notes, I'm going to give it to you right now. It's go 
go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value. That's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value. You have the opportunity to sign up for free, plus get huge discounts on their gold and their platinum memberships. And for a few lucky listeners soon, we're going to be giving away gold memberships and one platinum. So keep listening, and we'll let you know when that's going to happen. But before that is, get on, go to go.nearpod.com backslash value as value to check it out. Workout. The questions haven't, they have I don't know, I don't think they've changed that much. I don't think they've changed that much. They have, they're very, very applicable across, across, across multiple Absolutely. platforms. Absolutely. Absolutely. Stay hungry, stay humble. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's that's gonna be my new hashtag. I promise you. I'll give you credit. <laughs> I'm always gonna give credit, but with that, I stole it from somebody <laughs> on Facebook. I'm sorry, on Twitter, and I'll try to. Um, I don't know how you, if you can do this on Twitter because I was looking at you all uh, Twitter, or um, uh, uh, and I happened to find somebody else's, and her banner was "Stay hungry, stay humble," or it said "Stay humble, stay hungry." But either way, it was those same two phrases: "Stay humble, stay hungry." Let's go I- get it. I wanted to. I want to say, Will. I've heard Eric Thomas say that. You probably have. <laughs> I want to say mm, that man, might be that true. might be where I've heard it. Yeah. Oh man, Et is. God. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's 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 definitely in 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 those those influential people that that's on my radar to meet within the next yeah. few years. Like he is definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For sure, so. definitely a big part of big part of me being where I'm at right now. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so we definitely want to be respectful of your time, Brandy. Um, so we're going to ask you just a couple, couple rapid fire questions to to end it out. So first is for people who want to connect with you online, where's the best plus place that they can communicate with you and ask you more questions or or just learn more about what you're doing? Absolutely, uh, on Twitter or email, and on Twitter. My handle is at Brandy Gratton, B-R-A-N-D-Y, Gratton, G-R-A-T-T-E-N. And um, I'm fairly active on Twitter, uh, certainly with, uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge uh, professional learning network uh, person, and I want, I'm wanting to eat up as much as I can and uh, try to, to influence and use what folks have used and use it at our school. To the, to the degree to which it's applicable. Um, and certainly also by email, uh, brandygratton at gmail.com. Uh, for sure, I check my email. I'm, I'm on social media a lot, Twitter, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty frequently. Um, I'm on Instagram too. I don't utilize that as much, but definitely Twitter and email for sure are, are great ways to connect. And, and I love learning from y'all. I love learning from, from other people. And so, um, uh, yeah, those are the best ways to connect. All right. So if you could give one piece of advice to a new teacher, what would it be? The piece of advice to a teacher. Stay patient with yourself. Be patient with yourself. Um, sometimes in, in education and even in the self-reflection that I very much encourage and believe should be a part of the process of our cycle of improvement. Sometimes it's it's really easy to to rip into ourselves. I mean, pretty like pretty deeply. Um, and so I believe very much that we have to be patient with our own growth and um, uh, take it easy on ourselves for sure. And also give ourselves an opportunity to um, to make sure that that we try to find that rhythm between what we do in the classroom 
and how much time we spend in, in preparing. And don't get me wrong, I believe we certainly should prepare. I believe also that we should certainly uh, make sure that our bodies, our minds, our spirits are also healthy as well. Um, we can't give what we don't have. And if I don't have that energy, if I don't have that, that passion, if I don't have that desire because I haven't been fueling my own self, I'm gonna run out for my students. And so we often use this example when we go to the airport, when we get on flights, they always talk about making sure we have our mask on first so then we can help somebody else that may need some help with us, whether that's our own child or, or whatever. So we wanna make sure that as we're staying patient with our growth as educators being in the classroom, this is a race. This is certainly a journey. Um, it, it is not no sprint and different hurdles are gonna come up throughout the course of this particular race. Stay patient with your growth. And as I say that to, to, to you all and to your audience, I'm saying it to myself as well, stay patient with that growth. Um, provide opportunities to make sure that your body is healthy, that you're fueling, um, that you're, you're trying to eat the right things and trying to hydrate, so on and so forth. Um, giving yourself a time to go for a walk, go for an exercise, everything is, is you know, going to play a game of basketball or, or you know, going to get a mani and a penny, what, whatever it is that fuels you. Um, chopping vegetables. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's kind of my thing, chopping vegetables, like whatever it is. Um, uh, make sure to provide time to say yes to those things that fuel you. Um, and that will give you the greatest opportunity, I believe, to stay patient with your own growth. Okay. Is, is there one book or a, a few books that you would recommend to teachers? Ooh. <laughs> Hmm. Well, um, I'll talk about what I've been most influenced by right now. Um, Todd Whitaker's work on what great teachers, what great principals do differently, for sure. Um, uh, I would also say Gloria Latson Billings, sorry, Gloria Latson Billings, Dream Keepers. Successful Teachers of African-American Children. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, this particular title. Um, well, that's okay. Um, I can't think of it right now, but, um, and I think Todd Whitaker kind of talks about it. And it's, oh, that's it, People Over Profit. Um, I've been really influenced by some of the be better aspects and some, by some of the best aspects in the business world. Um, so I read works that are in education, but I also read works that are also um, in the business world as well. Um, things from creating magic uh, about how Disney has shifted and, and helped their culture be just very um, people over profit oriented. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my library consists of things in education and also things in business as well, um, especially from some of the people that, that most influence and, and positively influence organizations. And that's applicable for us as teachers in the classroom because that classroom is our organization. Those PLCs are our organization and we want to influence those in, influence those in positive ways and raise the cultural average. Um, and certainly I see it obviously as, as a school leader, whether instructional coach, assistant principal and principal um, utilizing work such as those in education but also in the business world too um, and y'all too um, lastly this isn't a book but I try to look as many different places I go to find um, inspiration for the work um, and ways in which I can sharpen my own um, 
toolkit. Believe it or not, going to a hospital the other day to visit someone, I was looking at their nurses board and the how you asked about am I asking the right questions? I took a look at some of the questions the nurses were asking about their patients, about each other, and about their particular, um, I guess, folks that were on staff. And there's one question that I took away from that. There were four questions particular, and one question that I started to use in almost every conversation that I have with parents, with the students, and with teachers. And the question is, what's the most important thing I can do for you today? And so I use that as an example to, yes, I get you know great stuff in those books, so on and so forth, but also I look for, for ways that can improve my practice in the places that I visit. If I'm going to have my car service at Toyota, I'm looking at the, the surveys and, and how they ask those questions, how they greet the people to make sure that they keep that positive cultural uh, capital going. If I'm, if I'm going to HEB, which is a large grocery store here, I'm looking at the ways in which uh, some of those things get on those big old message boards, like what are the messages that they're giving to their employees too. So I try to draw again from the education world and also from the business world too, and also from the hospital world as well to help influence and impact my practice. The three books were Dream Keepers, Gloria Latin Building, Successful Teachers of African-American Children, um, uh, People Over Profit, I can't remember the author of that one right now. And then uh, Todd Whitaker's work, uh, What Great Teachers, What Great Principals Do Differently. And I'm pretty sure I'm gonna go in the house and see um, see another another thing and say, oh my gosh, I should have said that one. So mm -hmm. you can just email it to us and we'll put it down in the, mm -hmm. in the statements of the, of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So before, Brandy, we, we get to the last question, we just wanna tell you how much we, have appreciated being in contact with you over these last two weeks and, and not just your session, um, but you coming on and, and especially now being able to build a relationship with you and to have you as a part of our professional learning network, it, it means the world to us, so. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, thank you. I apologize, I lost that screen real quick. Um, I clicked on something accidentally, but thank you all for, for having me and, and just giving me some super positive and encouraging words um, during that particular session. Um, I can't express how much that meant for me in that particular moment, um, especially you know what we've been working with at, at our campus and trying to, mm -hmm. in our district, it hasn't been an easy time. It, there's been some good things, but it hasn't been an easy time. So you all were two treasures that I got a chance to meet at AIE and I appreciate you inviting me in to, to be a part of, of your podcast and what you do and uh, y'all keep adding value um, and keep being like you have that lighthouse for teachers to find that hope. Um, every single day so that they can be at their best selves for students every day. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And and you, you kind of went over this, so I'll have you go over this again. But the last question we always end with is when when it's all said and done, what do you hope your legacy is? Yeah, when it's all said and done, my legacy. Um, that was a fighter um, that I didn't that, that I didn't stop. Um, that I did the very best that I could for, for teachers, for parents, for community, for students, for staff, for, for, for and lastly and most importantly for my own family, um, to every day to be better on purpose every single day. And I want my kids to be able to say that about me. I want my husband to be able to say that about me. I want my parents to be able to say that about me, my siblings, my community of faith, um, and certainly my, my teachers, um, my staff, my, my students, my community, um, like one of my students' uh, essays, she always says, you know what, Ms. Grant's going to tell you she ain't perfect, but she's here on purpose. Um, 
And that's absolutely what I want to be my, my message to get better on purpose every day. Randy, thank you so much for the time and for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. I, this was fun. Thank y'all for listening. <laughs>